Nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring today. Robert Half is here to help. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. You're going to be hearing an awful lot about TV streaming in the coming weeks. Years after Netflix began the streaming revolution, the company is finally getting real competition. Apple launches Apple TV Plus on November 1st, and then a few days later, Disney debuts its own Disney Plus service. Both of them are cheaper than Netflix, and that has Netflix investors awfully nervous. I'm Alex Ewell. Welcome to The Readback. This week, I'm talking to Jack Howe about his latest cover story on TV streaming and which companies are likely to win and lose in the months ahead. Hey, Jack. Hello. So uh, you just bought me lunch. It was very kind of you. And while we were eating, we were talking about streaming, your story this week. And one of the things you told me is you got a bit of a surprise in the mail today. Well, I was just, you know, going through the mail and I saw a a thing from Disney, an offer for their Disney Plus streaming service. So I was having this conversation with my wife this morning. Should we sign up for this? I said, well, they've got this new show. It's called The Mandalorian. It's a Star Wars type of thing. You know, I think that's the only place you can see it. She says, yeah, the kids like Disney stuff, so maybe we should do it. I said, but, you know, this is supposed to be an alternative to your cable service. So if we're signing up for this and we've got Netflix and the others, are we canceling our cable? This is probably a discussion that maybe a lot of households are starting to have, right? And it happens at a time when I've just, you know, spoken with the biggest chiefs in Hollywood. Bob Iger at Disney and Brian Roberts at Comcast and Bob Backish at Viacom, who will soon control CBS. And all of these companies are coming with some sort of offering or reinventing their offerings to create an answer to Netflix and to do something about what have been declines in cable television service. For several years now. I think this is the pivotal moment for these TV companies because over the next six to nine months, you're going to see a lot of these heavyweights come out with very well-funded services, and we're going to see who wins and who loses in the race for subscribers. Disney Plus, it is here. The streaming service launching November 12th, so it's going to be just under 7 bucks a month, which is a lot cheaper than Netflix. Warner Media unveiling HBO Max, and it will be launching in spring of 2020. At a press event in Cupertino, Apple officially announced its streaming initiative, Apple TV Plus. NBC Universal has announced some new details on its upcoming streaming service. Peacock will officially launch in April 2020 with a lineup of more than 15,000 hours of content. The streaming term is getting thrown around more than ever before, but it's actually a little bit of a loaded phrase. Explain to us what we are talking about with streaming. People use it to mean a lot of different things. So you can just think of it as television delivered over the Internet. Okay. But you've heard the term skinny bundle, right? And so a skinny bundle is you're trying to replicate your cable service, your package of channels, but you're doing it with a company that delivers you a package of live television over the internet. Not my cable box. Right. People will call that streaming, right? Another thing is totally different from that, that they also call streaming as a service like Netflix. We call that subscription video on demand. Now, that's not a live TV service. It's not like you're, it's this linear viewing experience where you watch whenever the programmer has put on the show. You watch when you want. It's video on demand. This is all really complicated. It's even more complicated for an investor than for a regular TV viewer because a TV viewer, you have to figure out the landscape. The investor, you have to do that. And you have to take into consideration the other things these companies do for their money. And you have to figure out what's the starting point for the stock valuation, which is everything when it comes to whether you win or lose in stocks. Right. 
I think the best thing you can do right now is keep your outlook humble. Acknowledge that none of us really know how quickly people are going to move into streaming or whether the cable bundles will be stickier than we imagined. And look for companies that have hedged their operations somehow. They can make money either way it turns. And if you're a company like Disney, you make great money in cable television. I actually think they're in a pretty good, a pretty safe hedged position. You've already seen their earnings growth, their typical trajectory of growing earnings. Right. That's gone into reverse, and huh. it will for a couple of years. Because of this Disney Plus spending. Because it's going to take, they think, until 2024 for this little Netflix-like division, which will become a much larger Netflix-like division, to begin making a profit. Now, it'll only it'll take less time. It'll only take a couple of years before growth at the broader company in the theme parks and movies and other, other businesses overtake those declines so that the entire company goes back into earnings growth. But it's going to require some patience on the part of investors. Investors seem to have that patience because they've bid up the stock price nicely this year. Right. Now, of course, the thing about Netflix is it doesn't have that hedge position when it comes to streaming (laughs) or when it comes to its business, right? Right. Even though earnings aren't going to grow this year for Disney, they still generate a massive amount of cash that they can spend on all these things. Netflix will burn close to $3.5 billion in cash this year. And the outlook is for them to continue burning cash for a few more years before swinging to uh, you know positive free cash flow. Don't confuse earnings with free cash flow, by the way. Earnings are greatly dependent on how you account for your content spending, but free cash flow is the thing you need to keep your creditors happy, that sort of thing. So, And that's where Netflix has none, or negative, Disney has a lot. That's right. So in this streaming wars, just set us up a little bit in terms of the landscape. How many subscribers and what kind of head start does Netflix have here? I see almost no chance that any of these companies, no matter how well-funded, are going to catch Netflix on the number of subscribers within, let's say, the next five years, which is as far as you might have reasonable visibility. I don't think anyone is playing for the number one spot. How would you want to? Netflix is spending so much more on content per dollar subscriber money than other big media companies would want to. They don't want to show these gaping losses or this big you know, drain on their free cash flow. So I don't think it's a fight to overtake Netflix. As near as I can tell, and I could be wrong about this, Disney looks like a lock for the number two position. Because we're talking not just about Disney+, Plus, where you have Marvel and you have Pixar and you have uh, Star Wars. But we're also talking about Hulu, which they have now a controlling position in. And we're talking about ESPN Plus for sports fans. And they bundle those together into one offering. I think when you put that together, you come up with a very big number for subscribers pretty quickly. Okay. I think everyone else is playing for third or worse at this point. That's not necessarily bad news for their stockholders if they don't take a leading position in streaming because... First of all, some of them do other things that are pretty lucrative. And second of all, some of their stock prices are really discounted to uh, account for that fact. Okay, so we have Netflix and we have Disney. Who is everyone else in the soon-to-be streaming landscape? You've got Comcast, which they control NBC and Universal Studios. They've got a service coming called Peacock, which will have NBC content. And you look at that and you say... Boy, Peacock sure does not look like a Netflix killer. Not a great name either. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> I'll, I'll pass that along when I can. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, so you'd look and say, well, wow, Comcast might be in trouble. But the thing is, two-thirds of this company's EBITDA, a measure of profit, two-thirds of it comes from their cable business. They're both your cable company and they're a company that creates content, distributes it for people. So the cable business, although we just talked about people cutting their 
television cable subscriptions. People are signing on. There's still great growth in cable broadband. Ah, cable broadband. In the markets where Comcast operates, it's the number one way that people get their Netflix, their Amazon Prime. If you're a Netflix fan, you know, chances are very good if you live in one of these markets that you're also a pretty lucrative Comcast customer. Right. You set this up in a very good way, which is that cord cutting has become somewhat of a misnomer in that most people who do cut the cord never really cut the cord because they're still getting broadband from Comcast or from Charter or from Verizon. There's still a very real cord coming into every house. That's right. And Comcast has a shot, a shot at something really important, maybe not right now, but maybe a few years from now, which is you are going to see bewilderment on the part of customers over the course of the next year or two as all these streaming services come out. First of all, people don't understand the terms. What's a skinny bundle? What's over the top? What's a subscription video on demand? And and on and on. People are going to want someone to make that simpler for them. They're going to want a clearinghouse for that. Also, they don't want to deal with six different passwords for their services, and they don't want to have to go from service to service to search for content. They want to go to one place to search for shows to be able to get it from whomever they're subscribing with. So you're going to need a a company that can become the dealer for these services. Now, can I just ask you, I mean, maybe I'm too old school here, but I'm pretty sure we've had a product like that for years now, and it's called (laughs) cable television. It's called cable television. Comcast is a believer in rebundling. They think it's going to get so complicated, you're going to be scratching your head. Whether you leave your bundle or or, or stay, you're going to need to make sense of this. You're going to want to go to one place. And there's going to need to be a company that can sell you all these services. And there are a number of companies that want to be that. But don't count out Comcast because in this future world of streaming, in the past, you had your broadband and you had your TV, your television cable service. And those two things had nothing to do with each other. In the future, those two things are highly dependent on each other. You can't get your streaming services without your broadband. The company you go to for your broadband, that's the first conversation you have. And that company is in a good position if they can provide you the right hardware and the right software infrastructure. And and I think Comcast has invested a lot of money here in its uh, interface. So that company has a shot at competing with the likes of Amazon and Apple and Roku. Jack, we've talked a lot about Comcast, Netflix, and Disney already, but uh, the streaming universe is actually a lot larger. It's about to become a lot larger. So who are the other players really involved? Well, there are some niche players that you've never heard of, but in terms of the big heavyweight players out there, there's Viacom and CBS, which are set to re-merge for the first time in 14 years. These are pure play television companies. They don't do theme parks on the side They don't have a cable business where they send the truck to your house and do the installations. It's just television and content. So they have a streaming service already at CBS. It's called CBS All Access. Viacom has what I would describe as a couple of niche ones, but the expectation is they will very quickly take that Viacom content and combine it with the CBS content and have their own offering. Okay. I don't know what their chances are of being in the top. Since everyone is making a play for number three right now behind uh, Netflix and Disney, I don't know what their chances are of being that number three, but CBS is very well positioned in traditional TV. They like to point out to everyone they get 22% of the viewing audience, and they only collect 11% of the money from distributors. So they have a good argument to make from distributors that, hey, you should be paying us more for this this audience that we're delivering. And they're also in a good position. They own Paramount Studios. They have uh, content. They can go to the other streaming services. If there's a bidding war and everyone's desperate for new content, they're in a good position to go out there and say, hey, 
We'll sell you some shows if the price is right. It's not often Apple gets overlooked in a conversation about tech or even media. They've been talking about TV for years. What's their role here? Well, historically, they have a great position. They have this credit card relationship with a lot of customers who have gone on their Apple boxes to rent movies and shows. Or iTunes, right? Right, right. So if we enter a world where streaming services get rebundled, I think that they want to be a key player in that. And I think they want to get that Apple TV box in as many hands as possible. So when we see that they will soon launch a streaming service where they're going to charge you five bucks a month. And that's Apple TV Plus. And they're spending money on content just like Netflix is. I don't think this is Apple going Hollywood. I don't think the amount of money and and the price and the amount of content available suggests that, hey, we want to be right up there with Disney and the gang. I think they want you to have a reason to have their TV interface in front of you so that down the road, they can remain or or become the place you go to to buy all your other services. So they get a cut. That makes a lot of sense. And that box, by the way, that's Apple TV, no plus though, right? (laughs) No plus. It's just a flat Apple TV, yeah. And so that's really, like so much else with Apple, it's a hardware play. I think so. And it's a cheap piece of hardware. It's not like they're in it for the margins on the hardware. They're in it for the future cut that they could get from all the other companies that are trying to sell you content if they become the biggest store for those content and other companies have to go through them. Okay. The rest of big tech is very much here as well. I mean, Amazon and Alphabet, the the parent of Google, are both kind of players here, right? What's their role? Amazon is a streaming player. And everybody always wonders, why doesn't Amazon use its enormous free cash flow to outbid Netflix and streaming? And the answer is... And they've won a bunch of Emmys. Right. The answer is... Amazon is a retailer, first and foremost. Let's not forget that this video service that they have, when you join their buyer's club, Prime, you just get that on the side. You only need so much content to offer someone an extra perk for joining the buying club. So I don't think they need to go headlong into this right now. I think they very much like the free cash flow they're they're turning right now, and I, I think that's a good position. Alphabet, first of all, any of these companies are good stock, you know, can be good stocks to buy for the long term. Apple. Alphabet, Amazon, just not for TV. TV is like a footnote to what they do. Alphabet, if we're going to include YouTube, the classic video sharing site where you got kids with wiffle ball bats catching their fathers unaware and hitting them in uncomfortable places and everyone laughs. That site... I mean, they could be the biggest streamer of all if you include YouTube. If you call that TV, and that depends on your definition... If it is, they're an enormous force in TV, and that's an endless goldmine for them because the content comes from other people who contribute it. And it's a tremendous advertising force and a growing advertising force. So that company has plenty of upside ahead, I believe. It depends on whether you want to count that in a TV discussion or not. All right. There's also a phone company involved here. (laughs) I I guess you could say that, yeah, in a matter of speaking. I view AT&T as having maybe the weakest hand in television right now. They made this massive bet on satellite TV with their purchase of DirecTV for nearly $50 billion. And they also deliver a cable-like service using telecom with their UVerse service. Now, both of those industries have shifted into pretty significant decline. Satellite TV has fallen out of favor. I mean, young viewers are looking for less hardware. They're not looking for someone to install something on their roof so that they can watch television. Especially the people who live in apartments and can't get it anyway. Exactly. Now... AT&T has also bought Time Warner. I think Time Warner has some excellent content when you go into a streaming world. They have a, you know, CNN, they have a comic book heroes in DC, they have sports. All great for streaming. Right. So they're going to have an event at the end of October, the Warner Media Group, where they're going to talk about their new streaming service called HBO Max. There's two different things here. There's that video on demand service that they're going to talk about. 
But then there's also whatever kind of channel bundle that they're going to offer on the AT&T side. Their picture is very confusing right now. But I'll tell you, the task for them is they need to come with an over-the-internet TV bundle experience beyond the Warner Media streaming package that can offset the declines they're seeing in satellite. That's a very tall order for them. But that's why the stock is cheap, and it helps that the financial fundamentals in the wireless phone business have never been stronger right now for AT&T and Verizon. All right, Jack, real quick, sum this up for us. Who are the winners in the investing world in the streaming wars? Okay, so the stocks that you want to buy, not necessarily who's going to get the most streaming subscribers. Right. right? I think Comcast makes the most sense from someone who's looking to keep their risk under control, make great money in broadband. They also have future growth potential because they could become that rebundler down the road. Disney is is fine as a long-term holding. I think there could be a bit of a pause here for the stock because the stock has been bit up by investors, so it trades at a premium to the group, and earnings growth has stalled, and it'll be stalled for a couple of years. So you'll need some patience on Disney, but long-term I think you'll do fine because they own the best storytelling assets among any of these players. CBS and Viacom are cheap enough for you to feel good about as a stock investor. I don't think they're going to give Netflix a run for their money anytime soon, but I think they're in a great position to sell shows to many of these streaming services and make money there. AT&T is the most troubled of the television providers when we're talking about their bundled channel service. They do have a shot at putting together a pretty compelling streaming service. Most importantly, the phone business there is really strong. I think you can do okay in AT&T despite their deep, deep troubles in satellite TV just because they have a big dividend yield, and to me it looks like they'll be able to keep those dividends coming. As a consumer, I can't miss Netflix, but as an investor, maybe it's a different story? I think it's a good time to sit out Netflix over the next year. The stock has been coming down because people are worried about the cash burn rate and they're worried about the increased competition. The bull case has everything to do with them raising prices over time. It's going to be difficult to do at a time when some of their past content suppliers are now taking that content back. So I just think you sit back and you watch on Netflix. Okay. Thanks, Jack. Thank you. To read Jack Howe's cover story on the streaming revolution, check out the latest edition of Barron's and, of course, Barron's.com. I'm Alex Yule. The Readback is produced by Meta Lutzhoff. We'll be back next Wednesday. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive, with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com.